we are back. Hold on, I'm echoing. What the ever-loving F? God, it has been a day. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Shipwreck Show. My name is Shipwreck, and I will be your hostess with the mostest tonight on this Valentine's Day night. Here we are, and with me, I have somebody that I've been looking forward to bringing on for like a month and a half now. Like, I'm so pumped for this. Optimistic Prime, off-gridding with Optimistic Prime. My beautiful, beautiful young lady, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very nervous, but I'm very excited <gasps> to be here. No, don't be nervous. Like, what do I like? There's things we can do to make you not nervous. Like, we've had some. Uh, listen, the shows have got. So we've had some shows just go way wrong. Okay, we've had ghosts show up. Like, I had a cat fart one morning. It was, <laughs> it was so bad, and it was so loud. And it was like, I hope nobody heard that. They totally heard it. Like, we've had all kinds. Like, yeah. So I think it's just that this is the first time that I'll be doing an interview or like a conversation online that I'm uh, since like my coming out, <laughs> you know, like no. of, of being like, this is who I am. And I'm like, I make no apologies for me. And so and I think that this is the first time that I've had that where the last time I the only other podcast I ever did. Um, I declared my or like my, well, you know, so my we're going to talk about it tonight, but the app. Yep. And last April, I sort of saw what was coming. So I declared us against mandates of any kind, just to right. sort of like set the record straight. Like, I believe in autonomy, sovereignty, and choice. That's the end of that. And I had just done an interview. And they, the people who had done the interview, asked me to be removed from the app. And they wrote me a letter saying that they didn't agree. And it was just like, I was like, are you going to take me off your podcast? And so this is the first time that I'm coming to the table like, Okay, y'all oh. know who I am. Like, you know, take me or leave me. There's nothing hidden here. So, yeah. Yeah, we don't have that kind of power. Now, what is the name of your app really quick before? Because I will forget. And I'm going to put it in the description below, too, guys. I haven't done it yet, but I will as soon as the live's over. So, Tiny Home App Directory. Okay. And you can download it off Play Stores or you can download it off wanderingfootprint.ca. Okay. So, I'm going to put wanderingfootprint.ca in the comments. www.wandering. I tried to look it up and then I tried to guess it. And then I was running late because I was on Jen's life. .ca. Okay. So I got that in the comments. I will add it to the description as soon as the live is over. Um, but before we get started with doing any of this, and we're going to have some really good conversations. We already started backstage. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Wait. We can't talk just yet. We have to wait. But we got Chad. Chad was the first one in here tonight. I don't know what the hell that was. StreamYard. Hey, Leave Chad. Chad was the first one in here. Now, Alex King was next. Angie was after him. Scott. And then we had Sonia in here. Alex was back in here again. Uh, Brian Clevinger was in here early. Uh, Jerry and Amy, welcome to the live. Sonia, I saw you in here nursing her hangover. Amanda, welcome to the live. Wait. Yeah, no, yeah. This is, I'm like, is this you? Sometimes no. my guests will come I know in and this they'll, one. Throw, yeah, I know this they'll throw their own live. And I'm like, and I throw them up and it's just, it gets very, see, it gets very awkward. You have nothing to be nervous about. Melissa, welcome <laughs> to the live. Scott, good to see you again. Uh, we had Mimi Collins and then everybody else. You guys, welcome to live. Purple Princess, welcome to the live. How was the meditation? I was in there for a little bit. We were in Jen's meditation. Getting on the right side of things. Getting it after it. And then before we go any further, I got to do the thing. Young lady, I have to do a thing. So if you want to give me a minute in five, four, three, two, thing. Hey there, and welcome to the show. Be sure to check us out at Bearded Bean Coffee Company for your very own bag of Shipwreck Show Coffee. Let the taste and aroma of hazelnut stimulate your senses as you kick back, relax, and catch the next slide. 
Also, for all your health and wellness needs, you can visit us at AriesEssentials.com or RogersHood.com for products to help you cleanse your body of unwanted toxin, calm your nervous system using CBD oil, body butter, and more. Use Shipwreck 20 for 20% off at Aries Essentials or Shipwreck 5 for 5% off all of your RogersHood.com products. I also wanted to give a big shout out to all the new Shipwreck Show members that signed up here on YouTube. For five bucks a month, you can support the show. You get access to fun emojis during the lives to use during the live stream and first look at the weekly lineups and private access to other podcast recordings that are not usually streamed publicly. Simply click the join button listed below the live and follow the prompts. With that all being said, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for all your support. I love your faces. We'll see you later. Enjoy the show. Bye, guys. All right. And the wrap. Well, that was crackling. The wrap that up, too, for you guys, for my morning show host, Jen Snow. She's a hypnotherapist. If you get hooked up with Jen and you decide to jump in and do some sessions with her to start your healing process, if you drop the name Shipwreck, you'll get 10% off any of your packages or your sessions. She's going to get you hooked up, so don't forget to do that as well. All of her information is in the About tab here on the YouTubes. That it? That's it. Is it a strong flavor or a hint? That's a great question for Scott Meyer. I'm not a coffee drinker. I so <laughs> I have coffee, and, and I don't drink coffee, uh, but I have all my people. Yeah, Sonia, everybody here drinks coffee. So, you know, I just, we got coffee. Hello, Lisa. It's good to see you. Welcome to the live. Okay. Now, before we get started and before we really start getting into it, why don't you kind of tell everybody maybe doesn't know who you are, maybe hasn't seen you before, who Come you on, are, all of who your you are. Well, some people, like, listen, some of these are like organic people from YouTube. Like they've never heard of the TikTok. Just yeah, kidding. So- I don't know if that's true, but yeah. Tell everybody who you are, what you're about, what are you doing? Why are you in the backseat of your car? So my name is Amanda Jones Archer, and I am known as Optimistic Prime on TikTok specifically. Um, I live in a bus named Optimistic Prime. It's a 1996 international school bus. Could have driven any of us to high school. Um, And yeah, I uh, set out into the mystic with my family four years ago. We bought the bus four years ago in February. Um, and, uh, there's a whole story. It's a magic, crazy tale, but I live on this bus with my three kids, five, four, and two, two, pardon me. Okay. And my husband. And, uh, we sort of set into the mystic cause I always wanted to live on Vancouver Island. So I live on Vancouver Island now. Um, we made it, we decided that if the bus broke down, uh, we just get jobs wherever it broke down and we made it to our destination. And, um, over the past three years, I have been sort of focused on, um, helping people or sort of inspiring people to go tiny. And so my original idea was to have tiny home show in our local community, because there's a lot of farming communities here, a lot of people, van life people, but there's so many bylaws and there's a lot of prejudice and stuff. So I thought I'd have a local show and just like bring in tiny home people and vendors and musicians and like buskers and just sort of like bridge the gap between, Mm -hmm. you know, the really rich people and the, the nomads and then COVID hit. So um, I decided that, well, the universe was like, Amanda, you have to do something about yeah. this. So, you know, I, I believe the universe is conspiring in my favor, even though most of the time it terrifies me. Hey. Um, so I basically said, okay, if the universe is conspiring in my favor, then you have to look at it as a positive. So what are you going to do? So <clears throat> I was like, okay, well, you have to figure out how to do it online. And so I looked into whether or not there was any way to like make an app with very little skill. 
So yeah. I found <laughs> that's us too. We can't even get half this shit to work half the time. Yeah. So I found a drag and drop program. I looked into a lot of different ways of turning it into an app and it was like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And like every user was going to cost five bucks and it was just way out of my possibility. So I found this drag and drop program. So I spent the first six months, uh, building this app that I had in my mind with the limits of a drag and drop program. And, uh, and then we launched on July 4th, which was the day we were supposed to have our tiny home show. So it was independence day. So it sort of felt I'm Canadian, but it yes. sort of felt like it was auspicious that like, that was the day that we had planned to start the show. Cause it was the Saturday of that year. And, um, yeah. And so it's evolved over the past two years. Uh, so it's this app that is my, so my dream, my ultimate dream is having a network of tiny home uh, farms around the world that you can stop in for a night or build roots. So you okay. can do real trade or you can, you know, just have fun, go on retreat, whatever, whatever. Um, and these, these places provide sanctuary is essentially what it is. And like help people build out their own tiny homes, provide food, like, you know, just create community again. Um, the app is designed to inspire that. And also it's like a, I explain it one of the easiest ways to explain it is like um, a yellow pages. It, it's called like, it's basically a directory. So it's okay. just the backbone. And I have an owner section, a vendor section, um, builders. So any tradespeople that do anything, you can add yourself. Um, there's like a maps function. So like basically if somebody decides they go to the owner section, they find a bunch of, they find buses. They're like, oh, those are super cool. Or a van or a RV or whatever. So I have in the owner section, I have... Um, Bus life, van life, uh, house truck life for the truckers out there. Ooh, okay. Um, uh, boat life, RV life, and tiny home life. And so that's sort of where anybody who's already doing it can put themselves. And so people can go and go in there and check out their social media, go to any of their contacts, look at pictures, get inspired. Um, and then if you get enough inspired enough. Um, when it all works out in the end, you can go to the builder section and find people that might be in your area to help. Um, okay. and then the vendor section is like just cool items, useful items. Um, it's sort of like in this gray area right now where, um, I'm hoping that more people will come on and bring their products. So like all the products that you are affiliated with ship, like when that, yeah. that introduction. So you can go on my app and you can add all of those to my app. You can put okay. your affiliate link on it, and then you just have to write next to it "Shipwreck Affiliate" just because it's le like legally you're required to say that it's an yeah. affiliate. Correct. And so when pe more people come on my app, they'll they'll go to the vendor section and like because I I have an affiliate for Rogers Hood, so yeah, that's well, and that's our other one is RogersHood.com. We got our tincture kit right there. That's yeah, yeah. So all I'm the other ones shit. that yeah, all the other ones you have, you can just add them to the app, and that way when okay. people come on and they go to it, they'll see. You know, they can go to the, they can use your affiliate link. So my hope okay. is that more people add affiliates to organizations they're affiliated with or um, organizations that they love, um, that that as the app grows, people, like, more money will come to the people. And right. then, you know, the more I help other people make money and support themselves, then the more I can support myself. And so that it's sort of like a dynamic co-creation, like, I believe we're moving into collaboration, not competition. I think we've been living in this world of competition and that now we're moving into a world of 
collaboration, working together, trying to find solutions, trying to right. see the best in us all, you know, and my tagline is uh, support local, grow global, rise together. Oh, see, and this is, and, and you, you'd mentioned earlier that you'd had all these big ideas. You had this big dream. You were going to do this and then COVID hit. Right. And then it was just like, like everything crashed. But the reality of it is, is it, you probably couldn't have come up with this at a better time because I think, and we had talked early, early on. So you guys know all I bought Kermit. Like I got a Kermit. Kermit's my little 22 foot like trailer, like camper. Like I bought this camper, my whole plan. And we had talked like my whole plan was to travel around with the kids and homeschool them. And we were going to travel around a lot throughout the year. Our first, like all of our, actually all of our trips, every freaking trip we took something like bad happened and not just like where things, little things broke here and there, or like we had water problems or like, you know, whatever bad things happened. Like we had the hitch fall out from under the car on the interstate. We had like dangerously bad things happened. The, the things on the back of Kermit fell off going down the interstate, all kinds of things happened. And it got to a point to where when the summer was winding down and we were coming back from our last trip and I was getting ready for my next one. Um, I really had to sit down and be like, you know, and the same thing. It was like the universe kind of stepped in and said, listen, shit. You know what? I was, I was talking, I was talking to somebody about it and it's like, listen, I, maybe this isn't the direction you're supposed to take. And then as we were stepping back and kind of looking at it and all the disasters we had with Kermit, but the show started to kind of take on a life of its own. And all of a sudden we had a bunch of new subscribers and all of a sudden we were getting some other things figured out. We got monetized and, it was like, so maybe necessarily not traveling around the country full time was supposed to be our thing, but maybe this was about the show and speaking your truth and, and having people like you come on who do what you do um, and less actually going, because I was gung fucking ho about this. Like, and it, I, so I understand why it had to be these big, huge incidences because otherwise I would have just pissed it off and, and kept going, right? And I kept forcing it, kept forcing it, kept forcing it. It had to be big deals. And then I listened. Eventually, we sat down at the end of the summer and I listened. And we winterized Kermit for the summer. We, I poured, I put some money into this. And we really started to focus on the show. And lo and behold, the show kind of started really kind of... And then everything seemed to calm down. Things stopped breaking. I stopped seeing the numbers everywhere. I stopped having the nightmares. Like, things... Everything seemed to calm down. It's very interesting with the universe stuff. Like, yeah. once you kind of start to even just dabble in that a little bit, it's like... Oh, I got like, and when you're not paying attention, they'll make your life fucking miserable, like straight up miserable. It's terrible. So it's really funny that you say that. But a lot of people actually started taking the same stance that we tried to do the same stance that you're doing just because the economy is crap. I mean, and and we ended up selling our, our beautiful forever home and moving into something very, very small, buying the Kermit just in case. And now it's just just in case we're going to use it. But if we lose our house or if the economy really tanks, or if inflation gets terrible or if Mr. Shipwreck loses his job, like we own Kermit and we can park that some bitch like anywhere and just live and, and it would be hard, but we could make it happen. But this is really good for people because a lot of people took this on in the last two years. They decided, you know what, they weren't going to do anymore. They pulled their kids from school. They sold their homes. They moved into, to, like you said, the van life. They moved into campers. They traveled around or they just stayed stationary. Everybody minimalized themselves. Like the tiny homes became a thing. This is still something I want to have. And I want to have a tiny home when the kids are older and, and, or maybe even moved out. I don't know. And have my little tiny home on a lake. And that's what I want. And I think a lot of people are getting to that point because they're just, they just want to minimalize. They want to make everything smaller. And so it was for you to come out and say, you know, like COVID COVID hit and 
this probably was universe for you too, because it had, you know, I don't, I don't know that it would have taken off the way that it did if COVID hadn't hit the way that it had thoughts on that in the universe. Yeah. Well, I mean, my bus is named optimistic prime, right. For a reason, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, and it's M Y S T I C because like my life is just full of these moments that are like, very clear to me the universe is pushing me out like so basically what you were saying about what happened to kermit like i have so many instances like that but like i was talking earlier about um, emergency surgery in thailand and like how i had Mm -hmm. planned this uh you know this trip i'd planned for 10 years and then i had emergency surgery and then a bunch of things happened and it was like the universe is like you have to you 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 cannot be here anymore amanda like you really need to go home go home go home everybody at home like what are you talking about i have no friends i have no family like what the fuck and, um, and then it was like, it pulled me, but, but, but the other example is I actually was in nursing school. So I was okay. in nursing school. So I have a degree. My first degree was international development. I took that from 2001 to 2006. Okay. And, uh, ironically, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there just cause you'll find this interesting is that in my second year of university, I actually was participating in a Russian history class and okay. I did a mock NATO conference. This is crazy. I did a mock NATO conference what? Um, in Ottawa where I represented the Ukraine trying to get into NATO. Okay. So I'm in hey, Ottawa. Hey, do you know that's what's going on right now, right? Oh, so coincidence? It's so crazy. And because look at what's going on in Ottawa too. And I'm actually from a little town outside Ottawa that's like uh, about an hour outside of Ottawa. And uh, that's where all the truckers are parked. For those of you guys that don't know that the truckers are in Ottawa because that's the capital of Canada right now right now and uh and anyways okay and this is this is a sad part of the story but i'm okay but while i was at my mock nato conference i found out my mom had cancer so i went for dinner with my parents they took me for dinner and then while i was there they told me that my mom had cancer and that everything was going to be okay so i actually didn't finish the finish the conference because i was so distraught um i never finished the course and my mom died that summer and so, yeah, so I was 20 years old in my second year of university, finding out that the entire world was corrupt, finding out the UN was corrupt, finding out all the things I'd ever wanted to do in the world were corrupt. And then my mom died and I'm the only child of a single mom. And so I just like the next 10 years of my life have been this like, what, what the F? Like what? what cause my, so my mom was a Buddhist Christian and you can't okay. be a Christian and Buddhist, but you can be a Buddhist and Christian. Because the Buddhists, Buddhists are like, it's a philosophy, right? It's a thought. It's it's the way you present yourself. It's not a belief structure. Right. So my mom was like, you know, the black sheep of the family, but I would say the rainbow sheep now. And my entire life has been about what was true about her teachings? What wasn't? What do I agree with? What don't I? And so I ended up in nursing school after I got back from Thailand, after that emergency surgery, after I realized that, so my mom was really into alternative medicine. And when she decided, when she got cancer, she didn't do radiation, chemo or surgery. And so I, I really went through crisis around alternative medicine. So I did the sort of opposite that most people do where I was like, okay, so, you know, having fresh juice every morning, taking your supplements, doing meditation, doing art, being outside all the time. This doesn't actually matter. I'm like, so what's the truth? What is the effing truth of this world? And when I had emergency surgery in Thailand, I, I came to see that it was trauma. 
So I agree. So my mom believed her cancer was created because of the trauma she hadn't dealt with in her life. So I was like, okay, is that true? So I've been on a 20 year quest of finding out if that was true. I ended up in nursing school uh, because I was still poor after so many years of doing everything right. I taught English in Korea. I did my degree in international development. I did all the things that I was supposed to do. And um, I decided to go and get my BSc in nursing, my Bachelor of Science in nursing, um, so that I would have the knowledge that people would take me seriously. And I loved nursing school. I loved it. It was perfect. It was everything I wanted to be in the world. And in my seventh out of eight semesters, I got myself into my pre-consolidation was acute mental health. And I had worked so hard on my own mental health. So I'd never been diagnosed with anything. I never gone to like, I, I, sorry, I was diagnosed with t- depression after my mom died and I took pills for like three weeks. And then I was like, no, 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 this is not for me. Um, but that was, so I had done all of my own personal work. So I thought, you know, I could be in acute mental health. Like I know exactly what it's like to have anxiety every day, how to, you know, a depression every day. Like I was, I was one of those people who like apologize for everything, apologize for myself in every moment. And I had anxiety 24 hours a day. I was worried about everything all the time. And it was because like I had no foundation. There was nobody. There was nobody to save me from my life. I was just me in the world alone. Right. And um, so, yeah, so I was in acute mental health and I was there because I found out that there was this nurse who was working with patients with PTSD and she was doing what's called tapping, EFT. Have you heard this yet? Yeah. Emotional freedom technique. Yeah. So Jen is... And so Jen, oh, Jen, I don't know if she's still in here, but Jen is my hypnotherapist and Jen is yeah. also my morning show host. Yeah. yeah. First she was my hypnotherapist. And so when you talk about the trauma causing cancer, and it's so funny because Jen and I backstage, we're going to do it. We're going to talk more about uh, the generational trauma and how it's been scientifically proven that you carry that Ancestral same trauma from your ancestors. Like they yeah. can, so what yeah, they, they do is they'll draw your blood and they can test the stress levels of your blood and test how, what, like what generation it came from. And what? She, she watched, she watched this whole podcast on it. I guess there's some kind of conference that they're gonna, like, so we're talking about California, in November. Like she, we talked all about this and we're going to talk more about it on, on Wednesday when she comes on, she does the second half of the show, uh, which is a lot of, of this kind of stuff. And so it's really weird that you brought that up tonight. Cause we were just kind of talking about the same thing and how Super- it's, it is. And, and cancer, and, and I mean, it's been it's been scientifically proven too. cancer is caused by if you can't inflammation is a big thing. If you can't keep your inflammation down. If you can't get your trauma and your stress levels under control, if you were constantly running in a fight or flight thing, it will it's it's got your it. And she talked about it again this morning. Jen, we're going to talk about it on Wednesday. Maybe I need to bring you both on and, and have. Well, have so this go. is what's so interesting that because while I was talking to you, because like Mm-hmm. You know, there's some, because I'm, I think presence is super important. I think that this is mm-hmm. what we're all trying to get to. We're trying to get to presence where you can have these kinds of conversations. You can be comfortable right. in just trusting the words that come out of your face, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, when, when I started saying it, I was like, really, we're going down this. Like I, I asked myself, I'm like, really, we're going down this road right now. Mm-hmm. And but the more you like, say it, the more saying it sounds it's, and it makes sense. Well, and ultimately this is why I made my app mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. 
when I was really young, like I just, so I lived in Zimbabwe for three months when I was 26. So after my first degree was done. So my mom died in my second year and I promised her on her deathbed that I would finish university and I would go to Africa because there were my two dreams and right. she knew that. So I was like, okay, like I promise. And I, I wanted to quit that year. I was like, fuck school. I've been doing school for so long. I was so exhausted, my, you know, everything, these okay. expectations. And I was like an 80, 90 student. So like, it was, it was tough. And, <clears throat> but I promised her. And so I went, I ended up going to Zimbabwe after my first degree and I lived there for two months. And I asked myself afterwards, like, what made you decide, like, why, where did this come from? Like, where did this dream of Africa came, come from? And I went back in my memory and I realized that I had read a, I had watched a movie as an 11 year old called The Power of One. Have you seen that movie? Mm -mm, I have not. Okay. You should watch that movie. So it's actually Stephen, uh, Stephen Dorff, who was like from Powder. He was the main in Powder and then something else. He's also been in a few ones recently, but I hadn't seen him in 20 years. Morgan Freeman's in that movie. And uh, the bad guy is actually, uh, uh, James Bond, 007. What's the new, what's that new guy? New guy. Oh, Martin. there's, there's so many, but yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. I can see him. So, so he was the, he is the teenager in that. Anyways, the movie is about the apartheid in South Africa. And it's about okay. how one person could change, changed the whole thing by creating equality by it, it's a, an incredible story. And it's a very sad story, but the whole thing was that this child raised during the war saw that there were no differences between these people and that he was trying to bridge the gap. And so it inspired me. And so, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, I end up in Zimbabwe. I come home. I remember that this is what inspired me. And I go back to my pictures and there's this scene in the movie where um, they're out of this cottage and he's a little boy and his mentor is saying, everything you seek is found in nature. Okay. And that scene was taken in the, the same place I had been. So I didn't even know the power of one had been video had been recorded in Zimbabwe, but I had been to the place that this movie from my childhood had inspired me. And it's in fact, where Cecil B. Rhodes is buried and, and Cecil B. Rhodes is what Rhodesia. So Zimbabwe used to be Zimbabwe. And then when, when Cecil B. Rhodes took it over, it became, um, sorry. It, so it was Zimbabwe, then it became Rhodesia. And then when independence came, it went back to Zimbabwe, right? It came back mm -hmm. to the name. So Cecil B. Rhodes is the head of this, the, the, the De Beers. It's the blood diamond story. It's the movie, the blood diamond. That's the story of De Beers. So, so Cecil B. Rose is buried at this place in this incredibly special sacred space in Zimbabwe. Like it's a travesty that he's buried there. Like it's, it's, he should not be buried there. He has no right to be buried there as far as I'm right. concerned. Right. It is. So, but because I ended up out there and I actually researched it about six months ago, I started getting curious again about it. Like why, why were you there, Amanda? Like what was like the thing? And I find right. out that the the local the sort of the local seer was from Matopos, and it's this crazy landscape where there's hills and there's boulders on top of the hills. Like there's, it doesn't make any sense how these boulders even got there, and it's the, it, the wildest topography. It's so fascinating. But uh, while I was in Zim, I really came to realize, and it's so funny because this is exactly the problem in the world. 
is I came to realize that my education was about going out into the world and saving people. And while I was there, I realized that I had no right to be in another country trying to save people. And over the years when I came to see like our indigenous people don't even have clean water in Canada. Like there's so much homelessness in Canada. Like what the hell are we doing out in the world trying to fix other people's problems when we are, when we can't even fix our own damn problems. That's programming. Right. And so I started looking at my internal (laughs) stuff. I was like, okay, so if you want, so then what about me? Cause I was so broken about my mom's death. I was so broken around men. I was, cause my, my dad left before I was born. I was, I was fucking broken. And I ended up but working. You tried to, but you tried to fill that void by helping other with people. helping other people because you didn't feel like that you deserved the same love and help, and, and so instead you poured it into other people. We're we're much more. We're kind of in the middle of that right now. Just but we're we're getting it worked out. That uh, that that was that was us too. That was kind of the Kermit thing. But yeah, yeah that's that's what it is. I and mean, that's why we got a bunch of people around here who are taking this very hard stance that we have to be responsible for other people's health during the COVID stuff. Like that's, that's been a very interesting conversation with people. Like I'm responsible for my health. I'm not responsible for your health. And people get very triggered when you say stuff like that. Um, But that's what it is. We we were raised and programmed. and, And part of it is this too. How many times is the United States, you know, even as kids, I can remember the United States going into other countries. Like I remember hearing that, in history class, like we have to go to these other countries and help because they're poor in third world countries. So we're going to help. They rely on the United States to help and we need to go help without knowing at the time, like we had our own homeless and our own hungry and our own poor kids and our own trafficking problems and this and this and this and this. But all I would hear about is how the United States would go to all these different countries to help. And you, you grow up with that in school. And I know it sounds super political and it is like it's, it's programming, it's political, but you so with you grow up and you listen to that over and over and over again and then you know it, it creates this it almost like a trauma with it because then all of a sudden you put other people's needs before your own because that's how you were raised and that's how our parents were raised and that's how our I'm, I'm probably our parents' parents were raised. I know my dad was very much like that, very much would put other people's needs before his own, which makes him a great man, but a really uh uh uh, not broken, but it had his own trauma around it because he, he wouldn't take care of himself than at the other, he would rather take care of other people. And that, that becomes a big problem. And so I, I get what you're saying with that and going to other countries, it does that fills your cup. Cause that's how you're taught. Like it fills you up to help other people. It makes you feel good. And it does. It's great. Yeah. But you can also completely just damage yourself by not filling your own cup up first. Well, I mean, there's so much about that, right? There's like, I remember coming to realize that, you know, because I was raised, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? And I was like, I remember getting to a point in my life right after I quit nursing school. So I quit nursing school after the semester I was talking about, the acute mental health semester. I quit at the very, very end, four days before the end of my pre-consult. So I had one semester left. I was $50,000 in debt. And I was like, the universe was like, you must quit now. (laughs) And... I remember we're going to keep breaking shit till you do. It was Ah, crazy. Literally ah. like the universe was like, okay, everything you, everything you want is if you quit this. Cause the day I quit, everything I've done is like, okay. When I, when I, when the, when I decided I was going to go to nursing school, it was terrifying, but I had three friends that were nurses. I was like, I have to be as smart as them. I have to be as kind as them. I have to be able to do this. Like, there's no reason for me to think I can't. 
So I was like, okay, just, just try. And I got in and whatever. And in the end, it was like, up until that point, I was more afraid to stay. The day yeah. I quit, I was more afraid to leave because I had borrowed money from my friends. Because I had this rule in my life, I wasn't allowed to borrow money unless I was in school. Because if I wasn't right. in school, then I was working, you know, I, I should be able to make enough money to take care of myself. Right. But when I was in school, I was like, well, I'm trying to better myself. I don't have parents to help me out. So there was a few friends that I had called up who had, you know, done the millionaire thing. And I was like, hey, I know that you don't really care about 500 bucks. You know, you care about right. lending me 500 bucks to help me pay for rent this month. And so it was that that broke me. It was the idea of calling up these people who had believed in me and saying, hey, I don't know why, but the universe is telling me I have to quit the, quit nursing. I have no plan. I have no way to pay you back. I'm totally screwed, but I have to do it. And I remember sitting in the car that morning I, I, after my 12-hour shift. The last complaint against me was that I asked too many questions. Right. But well, yeah, I got I, that in church. I get you. I, no, yeah. I'm not. No, this doesn't make any sense to me. How, no. what do you, why are you criticized? And now I get it. Eight years later, I'm like, oh, right. They were training everybody not to ask questions. So you got, you got this. Yeah. Same. We got that in the church. I got kicked out of my church for asking too many questions. They told what? me my faith wasn't strong enough. Yeah. I was, I was right at the end of my confirmation. Oh yeah. Jen did too. They got, they, that's what he said. I sat down to have my final meeting uh, before my confirmation. And yeah, I was about 13 or 14, whatever your confirmation is. And I can, I can remember, I see him porn guy. Not this Valentine's Day, my guy. Um, we get a lot of porn people in here. Anyway, I sat down and he's just like, we don't feel like your your faith is strong enough. You ask too many questions. We don't feel like you have a full understanding of what's happening. And they booted me out of the church after like 14 what? years. Like I'd been baptized in that church. Like I went to confirmation. What does that look like, Ship, when they kick you out of church? Now, now looking back at it, just like you said, though, now looking back at it, I get it. They don't want you questioning things. They want you to obey. They want you to comply and they want you to be happy and just take what they give you. Because as long as you're not asking questions, you're not making a ruckus. And as long as you're not making a ruckus, they can continue to do what they're going to do. And that goes in anything that goes in government, that goes in churches, that goes in the school system, that goes in all of it. They don't yeah. like it when you start asking the hard questions. And but so the then they land the, for it. The thing that bothers me the, the most about that story and about the, the, the faith and church Mm -hmm. is that I was raised to believe that God was love. So I mm -hmm. was raised to believe that Jesus reached enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why he's, you know, I'm the son of God. I'm, you know, so I, I was raised to believe in what Jesus said, you know, like unconditional love, you know, do unto others, like all, you know, as all you the, the light. What, as you do unto yourself. Everybody forgets that part. So this is what I was actually going to get to. Do unto others as you do unto yourself. Everybody says do unto others as you would want to be undone to or what? That's not what it is. It's do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Meaning what you put yourself first. You do with your stuff for you first. And then you go and, and save the world, right? And I then spend... the rest of the world tells you're selfish. And that's the hardest well, that's thing. Fine. You're a good-hearted person. When you're that's a good fine. The person, rest of the world can tell me, you can tell us we're selfish, but when the rest of the world is caving and they show up at my fucking door, they can be, and we've had, we've been banned. We've been, I mean, completely obliterated on social media for our stance uh, on everything pretty much. But I always stuck to that. I'm like, you know what? All my trolls, like if you ever showed up at my door, hungry, cold, nowhere to go. Yes. Yes. You're going to come in. I don't care what you said. That's not where that's never been my stance. 
do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Because I am humble enough to know that there will come a time when even though I am cocky and smart and I can get things done and I'll make things happen and I'll bust ass. Just, there could come a time where I'm going to have to eat some humble pie and show up at somebody's door. And I'm hoping that they would treat me the same way that I would treat them if they were in my shoes. you got to fill that cup first, though. You can't just go out pouring your shit on other people and then go to bed at night just exhausted and, and empty. It's because then it fills up with other crap, right? Like, well, I mean, I struggle with, and- I, I really struggle with self care. But when I quit nursing school, this is exactly what you just said is exactly what I realized. I was like, wait a second. Somebody really needed to teach me to treat myself the way I treat everybody else. I was yes. like, my whole life I've been treating everybody like, oh, if I just treat them with more kindness and forgiveness, they'll treat nah. me with it. And then I was like, nah. Oh my God, you treat yeah. yourself with such disdain. Like I judge myself so much. I I question myself so much. I did not treat myself the way I treated other people. And that's Welcome. what this has been. Yeah. Welcome to 2022 in shipwreck land, right? This was like, I don't, I don't really do New Year's Eve. What do they call them? Not the proclamations. What the hell do you call them? New, New Year's resolution. I don't do resolution. New Year's resolution. Yeah, neither, but I, I had a goal did. and I, I had a huge fucking shift in December, like a huge shift because I was just like, pouring and pouring and pouring into other people and all these other things. And, 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 and I was doing nothing for myself, like nothing. I could pour all of that energy into my brand because I wasn't getting a lot out of them too. And they never asked for it. It's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. I just did it because that's the kind of person that I am. And that's not the kind of energy that they gave back. So it, it was a very unbalanced situation in a lot of these situations. And I would find myself completely depleted and completely depressed and down and anxious and just constantly running. And it sucked. And 2022, I'm like, you know what? We're not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work on my show. I'm going to work on my stuff. I'm going to do what I need to do. And if people want help, they can ask because I would always offer. That was another thing. Or I always try to gauge how people felt and then act accordingly or react accordingly or respond accordingly. We're not doing that anymore. Like if you uh, just fix it. Like, I don't know. If you need help, come ask. If you want me to do something, come ask. Like, otherwise, drown. <laughs> I got nothing for yeah. it. I'm sorry. Well, like, I'll think, get you on the other side. It'll be fine. fine. I I mean, it's such a journey. And I think that, like, I've asked myself, like, I've asked the universe a bunch of times, you know, like, why, why now? Why am I here now? Why have I not made money? You know, why am I not a damn millionaire? Like, I'm smart enough. I have a great plan. Like, what is happening? Because money doesn't fill you up. Well, it's not that though. I think that it's, it's more, it's more than that. It's the fact that like, I, I realized that because I learned about enlightenment at such a young age, Mm -hmm. it was my hope. I asked the universe. I said, okay, I would really like this to be my last life. I would really like to reach enlightenment this life. Yeah. We're not coming back. And I would like to prove that you don't have to be a monk that sits in a church for your whole life, or you don't have to be a, you don't have to be anything. You can just be a regular Joe Schmo. You can be a regular Amanda Jones, the most, like one of the most common names in the freaking world, Amanda Jones. That's my name. You can be a modern day monk. You know, you can be a monk. And I think, and that's this journey and that's where like the school bus comes in and my family and James. So I met James a week after my husband. I met him a week after I quit nursing school. I walked okay. into a coffee shop because I said, fuck, I don't want the coffee at my restaurant. Cause I was working at a restaurant and uh, I was traveling 45 minutes there. And I had gotten the job through a friend through a crazy circumstance. And, um, have you ever heard of the tragically hip? 
You're American. No. So the I am American. Is a no. very, very like Canadian <laughs> band. Every, okay. you know, it, it's 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 the it's the quintessential the, Canadian band. The only Canadian and, band I know is Nickelback. Yeah, I also okay. Own so, that like I'm a Nickelback fan. I, am. I actually I am. am. No, even though so many people. Yeah, no, we are Nickelback. Listen, I totally. Yeah, today, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, so, new band. Yeah, so so, so the tragedy hip. They have a crazy story. They're lead, they were around for 20 years and they're poets. Okay, so their 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 music is about Canadian history. So a lot of people learn about Canadian history through their music, and they have this song called Bob Cajun, and there's a line that says. Um, in Bob Cajun, where the constellations revealed themselves one star at a time. And I found myself going to nursing school an hour away from Bob Cajun and then working in Bob Cajun. So I quit nursing school. I was working at this uh, restaurant called Embers, which is like okay. I rose from the ashes, right? The phoenix rising right. from the ashes of my previous life. Right. And on that, you know, early September day, I said, fuck the coffee from the store. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the coffee shop across the street. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get myself a vanilla latte. I'm going to do myself something nice and fancy. Mm-hmm. And I walked across the street and James was the barista. Like, it's like freaking movie Aww. style. Yeah. And so Did there's a- give you that extra foam? He's like, here, baby. Oh my, it's honestly, I wasn't even attracted to him. Like, I was like, it, it was like I walked in and I was like, it was like something hit me. Like it was the crazy, it was, it's the story tale story, you know, where it's like, you, I don't understand. I don't know what's happening. It was just, it was the environment. It was the decorations. It was, I ended up buying a fairy book for $2 and fairy over your well, coffee. It was just like, it was upstairs and it was like a junk room. So I said to James, I'm like, so what's upstairs? He's like, oh, just a bunch of junk. I'm like, can I go upstairs? He's like, sure. So I went upstairs and I found this book and it was a fairy book. And I'd already felt like something had just happened. And I walked down the stairs and I gave him, I said, and this fairy book is actually good fairies, bad fairies. Have you seen that book before where the front is good fairies and then you flip it around? I actually just bought the tarot for the book. So I'm learning all about fairies now, eight okay. years later. But I bought it and I, I went back to my to my restaurant and there was a girl there. She just had a birthday. And I said, and she's like, I love fairies. And I just slid the book across, like just across to her. And I said, this wasn't mine three minutes ago. Something just happened to me. I want that to happen more than I want this to happen. Here's the book. Okay. And then a month and a half later, two months later, James and I finally got together. And Aww. so like in Bob Cage and where the constellations reveal themselves one star at a time. And so for me, it was like the journey of falling into this trusting the universe was my healing journey. And, you know, giving up the money, giving up the idea that I was going to ever make enough, you know, because I wanted to be a nurse. Not only did I want to help people and have the education, but I wanted to have a steady income. I wanted to make more than $20,000 in a year. I was so sick and tired of being poor. And so quitting was like, the hardest thing in the world to do. And I tried to go back like six or seven times. And then when, uh, when nursing, when, uh, when 2020 hit, I was like, hallelujah, I am not a nurse. Like, thank God. And now that it's 2022, I'm like, thank God nothing worked. The UN didn't work. UNICEF didn't work. You know, I was supposed to work for, uh, I, I applied for a job with uh, Me to We, which is now involved in scandal after scandal with the Canadian government. I was like, all the plans I had ever had are now so intertwined with like the corruption that exists in the world 
that I'm yep. just, thank God nothing worked. And this so. Is, oh, go ahead. No, we had this, we had the same thing happen. Like when we talked about it a little bit last night, I think it was last night we were live with the wolf, but I had, I had gotten to a point right before my TikToks really started to take off before we started the show. I'd gotten to a point where I wanted to go back to work and I'd applied for a couple of jobs and they were jobs that I should have got. Like I've got my resumes spot on. Like I'm, I'm good at these jobs. I had the, and then the money was right. Like I was, I should have gotten them both jobs. I got turned down for because of my social media presence. And I was really bummed at the time. Cause I was like, what well, kind of sucks. I mean, I'm not going to give up my convictions because of it. Like, yeah. fine you. I don't want to wear a mask anyway. Like, but I was bummed. Cause I was like, well, this is, and that was kind of a big turning point for me because it became this. Like, if I ever want to go back to work, I'm going to have to quiet down. Like I'm going to have to pipe down. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to pipe down. Well, and then we started the podcast not long after that. And now this has kind of turned into a, to a thing. Like we got monetized. We make a little bit on advertising. I got members and they're amazing. And I love their faces. Like this became kind of my thing. And now I honestly, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And so, but the, the two companies that, that I had applied for, one of them anyway, I know of one of them got wrapped into some kind of scandal too, that just came out with like, it was a, uh, like a telephone company, but then some other, um, Call centers were in Asia and they were popped for scamming people in the United States. Like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, and I don't even know if they ever thank did you. open here. Like, yeah, like, thank you. Like, bet. Like, we're going to do this. It was so crazy, though, because those, again, those were jobs that I was super qualified for. Qualified and for. no, not, I think they were like, and it was like sorry, the universe we... said, no, you were not. To, like, and that's the thing is, if yeah, you like, don't, they, like, the spiritual world says that, like, like, if you ever listen to Abraham Hicks, okay so like go with the flow follow the joy you know allow yourself to be in the vortex of happy you know like that kind of stuff you know like that's what i i and and it's so hard when being in the following the joy and following the happy in a world that's like concentration camps are coming you know like oh yeah it's so hard we we keep our people like whenever we do the lives and this is what a big reason we do like current events and stuff in the morning because especially to talk about ukraine right everybody's talking about ukraine and it's big scary stuff they're gonna in they're using these big scary words look nobody's invading they're not gonna invade ukraine like that's not happening like putin's like on vacation like it's just not gonna happen this is this is smokescreen for this crap that's going on clinton and biden like this is why i'm constantly on my people to meditate, to meditate, to figure it out. I don't care if you meditate. I don't care if you pray. Okay. If you're a prayer, pray, get quiet for 15, 20 minutes out of the day. Talk to God, ask him, ask him. If you're meditating, I'm a meditator. I talk to God that way, or he talks to me that way. I go in and I meditate and everything clears out because when everything clears out and you come up, you're able to look at everything with just this blatant disconcernment. You're like, that's not going to happen. And and then you're not afraid anymore. So all your 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 solar plexus, your solar plexiglass, what the fuck is it called? Like when you're in med- it calms down. Because once it calms down, then your fight or flight calms down. Once your fight or flight calms down, you're able to see things for what they are. And you're not seeing things from your trauma, which we talked about a little bit ago. Because when you're seeing things from the trauma that you've experienced, whether in this life or past life or generational trauma, it doesn't matter. As you grow up and you start to see things, you're seeing it from that trauma. So if you were a sexual abuse survivor, okay, so let's say you had a lot of sexual abuse trauma, say you were assaulted. Everything that you see the government doing, anything that has to do with the sexual abuse at any point, 
is going to trigger you and it's going to trigger that reaction in you. And you're, you're going to think that's the worst thing ever. And that's, and that's what you're going to hone in on. And, and you view or, it, you can't get, you're unable to view opposite. it from outside of it. Or does the opposite. So I call it cookie cuttering. So like on a okay. less traumatic, like, I mean, trauma is trauma is trauma, but on a less traumatic front, because I mean, sexual abuse is like the worst trauma in the world. I, I swear. I think so. Um, uh, so, but I, again, because we are, I don't know if you are, but I'm, uh, because I had a pretty rough childhood with the sexual stuff, like I was molested a lot and I was, we had a lot of problems with it. So now I view it just like that. I think it's the worst thing ever to where somebody else might think that, you know, a white cop murdering a black man is the worst thing ever because as he was growing up, that's all he saw were a bunch of white cops murdering his black friends. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. all dependent on your view, but yes, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm so sorry that happened. And like, I know. No, no, it's fine. It's content. We're here. But this is something that I've like come to see too, is that I was not. And almost every person I know was. Mm -hmm. Almost every single How old are you? Can I ask how old you are? You keep calling me young lady. And I was like, you don't even know. I think I'm older What gener? What generation are you? I was born in 1982. I'm 39. Okay, so you're Gen X. I'm 83, so I I will be 39. In well, they, so they call our generation is actually generational Xennial, Xennial or Gen we, Y, yeah. We were so because we had we had analog, you know. And if I find that our generation is so special because like it's like finding the damn app. So every time well, I want something new that is technology, it's there. It's like when we were six years old, we got Nintendo. When we were, what? what? I think I think we're special. Like this Gen Y, this Gen, maybe Gen X, but the, this this little two year, that's two or three years. They say it's about seven five. years. It's like 77 to 84. Yeah. So we're it's like very specific. Gen and we X. all were raised with like all this. It was like almost the dreamers without the corruption. We had, we were like the latchkey kids too. So we weren't really raised by parents. We raised ourselves. I had, I had, a, I had a lot the, of us. Go ahead. The, um, I had the shoelace with the key on it. Key, yep. We had bracelets, the 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 springy bracelets with the key. We're at our house key, and I put them in my backpack. But yep. I'm finding a lot of people from our generation specifically dealt with a lot of in-home molestation problems. And what is what's even more interesting about it? And I know, but again, I'm able to look at this from the outside, right? Yeah. Janet, we your process, you processed it. Yeah. Yes, we've we've healed a lot of this. Like I'm able to look at this from an outside perspective, but it's interesting because at the same time, it's when the boomers, my parents, like divorce started becoming less and less taboo and becoming more and more normal. And so as divorce became more and more normal, step parents became more and more normal. So then you had you had your original parent who is still suffering from the trauma of the divorce, depending on if they had any or not. But then instantly falling for somebody new who then maybe wasn't the best option. And, you know, I am finding a very similar story with a lot of the people from uh, that generation. And so we've got the boomers that are all still like, you guys, I don't even know how to turn the fang dangled computer on. Right. But then you've got the millennials, um, like the older, the newer millennials who are just. I don't even know, like, I I don't need the pronouns can't i'm sounding like a boom we're not gonna go there but but then you got us 
And we're all like, okay, I don't care if you got pronouns. Like, sure. Like, okay. But, and then at the same time, like the, you do you, boo. (laughs) You do you, boo. But the boomers are like, we kind of, we understand economy. We understand why minimum wage right now is kind of crap. And yes, it does need to go up. No, it doesn't need to be $15, but it does need to go up because the cost of living went up. There's this, this generation, like, and I've said this for the longest time that this generation, Gen X, Gen, Gen Y, Gen Zillennial, the, the Xennials. Like we're the ones, we're the ones that are going to blow the lid off this. We're the ones that are going to not contribute to this any longer. Like, I don't know what the other generations are going to do. The boomers are going to eventually die off. Sorry, boomers. But um, this next generation, like we're the ones, we're the ones that are here to expose a lot of this. And we're the ones that are handling it, in my opinion, the best with the bullshit that's going on. So a few things. One, I think we're handling it the best because most of like a lot of us have been able to deal with the trauma, have been able to look at the trauma. So my philosophy is that this is the first time in history that we've ever had enough chilled out time where there's Mm -hmm. not been a lot of wars for our generation where we've actually been able to sit down and look at the effects of the emotions on our body. So that's where the triggering and that's why it's so fascinating to me that the group of people that are aren't aren't awake so many of them think they are because that's who I was raised by. I was raised by somebody who thought that they were awake, but couldn't deal with their fucking trauma. That you know, he, he literally said on her deathbed, I'm dealing with my trauma. I'm going to, I'm going to put my life on the line to prove that it's the trauma. And mm-hmm. there were four letters. My biological father sent her while she was pregnant with me and she never shared them with me. I read them mm-hmm. after she was dead. So I'm sorry. That's not dealing with your trauma. You know, if you're going to deal with your trauma, you're going to present the damn letters to your 19-year-old kid from the man who you loved. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've come to see that, like, you know, you were saying earlier about getting driven out of the church. Mm-hmm. I believe in God. I believe. Oh, in yeah, God, I do, too. But I believe it from my own experience. I, it's not a belief. It's not because a bunch of people told me to believe in something. That's why I find this whole thing about church so confusing. Now, we don't do organized religion here. I don't. Bring, if you bring in the experience of life, the truth of God is there. You know, it's not a belief. It's not an outside of your body. You have to go to a priest and sit down and tell him your confessions. It's being present in the fire of your 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 being. And ultimately, God is in, he's in all of us. Like this is the God gene. This scientifically proven again. This if you want to go the scientific route, the God gene is within all of us, and that's what. A lot of the spirituality stuff is about too. It's like the universe is inside you. God is inside. I mean, and you can talk to God by going in. And this is where I I butt heads with a lot of the religious folks, right? Because they're big into prayers and Bibles and prophecies. And that's fine. I'm here for that. Let's go. I don't know that I believe in everything that the Bible has to say just because it's been misconstrued a lot and and driven for different agendas. But I do believe there are some things that are actually the word of God because I've asked. Ah, ah, and he's like, and truth resonates. Oh, I got it. And truth resonates. And and my relationship with God, even after I get kicked out of my church, that never wafered. Like, and I can distinctly remember that. Like, I don't feel like I learned about God in my church. I feel like mm-hmm. I learned about God on the farm when I was outside. When I was doing, we were watching calves being born, or you know, like I really learned about God when my own kids were born. It was like you could see, and all you moms out there, specifically dads too, maybe okay, but like. As, as from a mother's perspective, day two or day three, when you have that moment when you're like, "What you have, the hell? Yes. I just created a kid." What and you're in just the world? looking at him, and you just and that's 
you know, and there George Strait made a song. I saw God today, right? And the whole song, you think he's talking about his dying wife, but he's not. He's talking about his wife who's having a baby. And the baby Ooh. comes out, and I saw God today. And it is that that's your and it's it's fleeting, it doesn't last long because obviously, you know, because you ain't gonna stick around. I wouldn't stick around. But um my relationship with God never never wavered. And as I've gone into the spirituality and I meditate, I meditate a ton. God, I meditate a lot. Whatever I, I meditate, I have little kids, so I never get quiet. Man, I have to. I have to. My little kids, shut up. Here's some Play-Doh. Okay, go find something to do. I need yeah. 20 minutes, and I go into the. I have to. Like I, I didn't. I did not know how much meditation was going to change my life until this last year, because everything is constantly calm, and everything is is. I quit all my multiple sclerosis meds. I stopped all of my anxiety meds. I stopped all of my, you know, everything. I switched over to, um, we take vitamins. I know. Yay. I have my first scan in March. I'm wow, kind of excited you be to see so it. so proud of yourself, honestly, because that is yeah. so scary. That is so scary to take yourself on. You like know that. what? Listen, listen, everybody says that, but it wasn't. It was scarier to be on the fucking med. That med caused well, something called babies. But, but the process yeah. to get from that, because the thing is, that's the thing, is the entire medical system has been set up for you to not trust oh, yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. entire medical system has been set up to not actually deal with your shit. And it, see, I believe, because I was trained as a nurse, so I mm-hmm. like I know there's a time and place for all meds. Mm-hmm. There I is, know. and there's there's a time and place for Western medicine, right? There's there is, Your leg 100%. gets cut off. You want that doctor to be able to sell you that know, shit. No, you're not fucking going to die the next day. You need that damn surgery. You do. But Take the I tumor out. What I have mm-hmm. seen is this. That it's like, it's like what we're sort of on a micro macro level. Like what all the things that are happening right now, it's the same thing. It's like if we had just at the very beginning of COVID said, okay, you're over 80. 90% of the people who are dying are over 80. You guys, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to, you guys are isolated. We're going to do the lockdown 90%. on the old people. And all the rest of us, and if you're immunocompromised, you can stay home too. We're going to pay you. We're going to take care of you. Oh, no. And the rest of us went around. No. Listen. Damn it. No. So I was on on an MS med when COVID started. I was on something called Ocrevus, which is almost like a chemotherapy. And it's twice a year. But it it tanks your immune system because that's what multiple sclerosis is. It's an overactive immune system. The immune system then eats away at the myelin that covers the nerves, which protects the nerves from infection. Okay. So I'm on Ocrevus and Ocrevus drops your immune system, making you immunocompromised, right? No, every doctor I went to were talking about, like, all of a sudden they were like, well, you have to wear a mask. I've been on this med for two years up at this point. I'm like, what do you mean I got to wear a mask? Like, well, you've never asked me to wear a mask during flu season my entire life. Like, I have been on anti-immunal medications during H1N1. Do we want to talk about that? Like, but nobody would answer my questions. I said, this doesn't make any sense. And this was just about the stupid mask. When the vaccine came out, that was the first letter that I got was like, hey, we're recommending everybody on Ocrevus take the vaccination for COVID-19. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm, one, I got to think about needles, too. I don't believe that it's then we're not doing this. And lo and behold, we found some studies not a month later. People who were immunocompromised or on immunocompromising drugs were having very serious reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine. My doctor still was like, well, yeah, but these are very limited. I don't give a shit if they're limited or not. I don't need it. I'm not in that age range. I'm not sick. I'm not going to get sick. I wash my hands. We stay home. And reality of it is, is I have a 99.97% chance of catching COVID, surviving COVID, and recovering fully without any long-term problems. But they pushed it, and they pushed it, 
and they pushed it. And this is what caused me to stab my mom. Most vulnerable first. I stopped my med. I'm like, if you're pushing this this hard, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I started looking into Ocrevus and all the problems that people were having with it. And I realized that this is why my hair was falling out. This is why I had anxiety that was off the charts. Off the charts anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't I wasn't eating. I had all kinds of digestive problems. It was all because Ocrevus, they didn't tell me this. There's nothing in the side effects of Ocrevus that tells you that you're going to have any of these problems. So I just stopped. And it took a little while. It was probably two or three months to fully to kind of flush. I think it lasts for six months. And I had, I had just have coming right up on my six months. And I just, I didn't go back for my, my six month injection and I let it flush out my neuropathy because you get um, I don't, the neuropathy in your fingers that, that cleared up. My hair grew back. I don't have digestion problems anymore. I'm really careful about carbohydrates. I meditate quite a bit. I keep my, my inflammation down. So I need a lot of foods that have, uh, that cause inflammation. There's a lot of foods out there that cause inflammation. Stress causes inflammation. Anxiety causes inflammation. So I can't Everything wait to do something. Yes, go. Help me. Tell so me. When I first, because I know we're leaving again, I know you're very like on the, like I, I said to my husband, I'm like, she's very good at ending it, like right at an hour. We're, we're okay. We're okay. So, um, but first of all, I didn't know that you had MS, but I find it very interesting that you and Batty, because I found you guys at the very beginning of TikTok. She hot. And but, but you guys are in pain. Very similar. And no, I stopped being in pain when I stopped taking the med. Oh, okay. What? That's interesting. Fuck. Okay, so. The whole time, the whole time, all 11 years, the back spasms and the crap all went away once I stopped the mess. Man, so, let me die of multiple sclerosis. Like, I've had the best six months of my life. Like, crazy. So, okay. What I want to say before we go and before this wraps up is when I found you on TikTok, you, there was like a few of you that I found that first couple weeks, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're so brave. And this was before you had sort of come into your com- becoming and you come into your presence of yourself and you were still like really adamant about going after all the people who like didn't Yeah, I'm going to whoop their ass. All yeah, and I was like, oh my God, you're my superhero because I've never <laughs> been like that. People have treated me like such shit my whole life. And like, I, I will never, I will never retaliate. I will never say a damn mean thing. Mm-hmm. Like I am that person who like has like this little girl inside of me that's like, be a good girl. And so when I saw you and you were just like, and and you just called her, like, it was just everything about you. And you were so inspiring. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I want to be like her when I grow up. And then to see your evolution and then to see you sort of come over to this side that I was on, where it was like into the mystic, you know, that, that, that this, this center presence, the connection to source, the connection to all. And then when you got the RV and we, I mentioned it earlier, but for those of you who don't know, I was on a live one day and it was like the first live I'd come on in forever or ever, I think on your YouTube. And I was writing mm-hmm. a comment. You were talking about the RV and you were talking about how you didn't know what you should name it. And I was talking to my husband. I was like, oh, this is my like favorite TikToker. Kermit. I'm like, what do you, I'm like, she loves frogs. Which, and my, and James is like Kermit. And I was like, oh, Kermit. Is st-. And I wrote it and you were like, what? And I was like, what? And then I was like, oh my gosh. And then three months later, you said that you'd named it Kermit. And I was like, that's so crazy that I, that we would name because James named Optimistic Prime too. 
And so I find, you know, so it's just serendipity. And to come on tonight, and this is why I was nervous, is because, like, you're like, I don't have, I don't, I've never had a mentor. I don't really have anybody I look up to. I, I, I think most people are fake and bullshit. And, and I, I agree. And a lot of people are. You're so inspiring, Ship. And uh, the fact, the fact, yeah, and the fact that you've come so far, and the fact, because the thing is, you you can only change the world if you are the change, and you can't. Ins- you can, people will only change if they're inspired. And well, I struggle. Fact- I struggle with this though because the Kermit thing didn't work out. But, but whatever, we can have a conversation about it's Kermit good. now. Maybe right. the only reason that happened is for you and me to be on this show. Maybe. About, and you're going to come back. Happenstances stuff. And yeah. so I want to say this before I go, though. Yeah. My great uncle was the founder of apotherapy. And my trips. So I would go down to Vermont every summer from the age of like zero to five. My mom would drive down. This is my grandfather's sister's husband. They lived in Vermont. Okay. And yeah. you can look it up. It's uh, Mraz Honey. Anyways, Charles Mraz was the founder of apotherapy. And he treated arthritis and MS. Through and apotherapy? it's the craziest thing. It's the craziest what is thing. It? It's bee stings. Okay. I've heard this. So I, I my great uncle had yeah. cured himself, cured himself of an autoimmune disease in like the fucking forties. Okay. He died in the early two thousands and he was, and he was like 97. Okay. He was so old and he, and so my family would smuggle bees across the freaking, the, the country lines. Like we can't do that now. But every time we would go to Vermont, anytime any of my family went to Vermont, we'd take a jar of these honeybees and we'd take them and all my whole family was trained in it. And it literally like, and it's so interesting that so many people have a, a, a bee allergy. This is, I well, I'm going to go back to the vaccines, right? So this was something Native Americans did too. So they would use bee venom or they would use bee stings to cure all kinds of things. Sometimes it was just for pain. Because it has to be the honeybee. It has to be the honeybee. Yeah, it has. Yeah, you can't just go find like a sweat bee. And like, it's got to be the big, let's go. They have to be honeybees. But, and they would, I, I, because I read this whole thing about it. So, like, of the Native Americans, this is how they cured a lot of of their ailments is by bee stings. And this is kind of, it had, they had talked about how um, this is where, uh, when they put the needles in, what do they call it? Help me. Like IVs? No. They put the it's like therapy. They put needles in certain points in your. Yes, it's kind of where right. acu, like exactly. It, figure it out had a, it had something to do. With, yeah, it has something yeah. to do with acupuncture. 100%. And that's how acupuncture kind of became a thing. But it had started, or at least it had started in this documentary that I watched with the bees. They would take, and it was something with the bee stingers and the venom, and it would cause like the inflammation, like it would cause it to inflame. But then it would like, I, like I don't even I know, don't like even calm understand. it all down. I don't even understand, but they went into this whole thing. And there are some people here in my state that have honeybee farms and they offer this service to people. So it's, it's illegal because it's obviously free. It is illegal. And they do uh, so, that, and you know, I'm cares. sharing this from the 1987 perspective where, you know, they weren't in on it. But my great uncle, if you look him up on YouTube, his name is Charles Mraz. And there's a whole story about him. 
And what's really fascinating is he, when the, so the pharmaceutical companies wanted to like make something that had like some of similar effect. So he actually created a way to extract the venom from the, from the sting and kept it sterile. It's crazy shit. So they actually use bee venom in, uh, in some kind of medicine. I don't know what it is. Um, and I bet you it's probably one that has something to do with MS. But essentially, one of the things about the honeybee is like most like most wasps and stuff, they will die. Oh, sorry, they won't die, right? So the honeybee, if it loses its stinger, it dies. So mm-hmm. it sacrifices its life for that. So I don't know why, but I was like, what? You were diagnosed with MS? I'm like, I'm going to, you're really into like alternative shit. Like, I'm just going to tell you this because at the end of the day, like, this is what I think the whole journey is. And this is why I made the app is I believe that people cannot heal unless they have food and shelter and feel safe. And they got it. They got to think it there too. Like this is a, this is where we, we come into a lot of people when people have, this is why I don't, it's pretty rare anymore that I'll put out the fact that I have MS because once you start to speak things into existence, it makes it very real. And you can, it's been scientifically proven and I do it. I've done it myself. And when I was younger, I used to get migraines and I could feel my migraine, I could stop the pain just by envisioning it being pulled out from behind my eye, almost like a snake. And I remember doing it. no SIBO, your brain. Yeah. yeah. And then it would. It would, after a few times, it would start to dissipate, and then it would go away. And then I tried it as an adult because I told the story a few times. So a few weeks ago, I did try it as an adult. I get migraines sometimes with my period still. And it still works. Okay. I go into kind of almost like a meditative state. And I just picture myself pulling it out. Wow. It does take time. And it is kind of hard. For some reason, it's hard. It doesn't sound hard. But it's when practice. You're the, yeah. When you're in the throes of it, like all you want to do is take some ibuprofen. But I, I don't even really take that anymore. I try not to take anything. If I can help no, it, I'm I don't take anything. It's, yeah. I, I dove into like my, my period and my menstrual cycle too. because I was having all kinds of problems with that. Trying to figure out why do I get migraines during my menstrual cycle? Where do the cramps come from? What causes the cramps? And then trying to find like alternative vitamins to kind of supplement and balance those out. And so that maybe it wasn't so awful for me as I, as I went through this, because my shit would last like two weeks. Like I'd PMS for two weeks. It's terrible. Still terrible. And, but I found a decent balance between vitamins and meditation. And this is why I'm going to tell you, like I meditate a lot because if I don't, I'm a raging bitch. I just am. My emotions get out of control. And I have to keep those under control. I have to keep them centered. And I do that through meditation. And it has just done wonders. I think that the only, like, so I think meditation is so important. But mm-hmm. I think that the, I think that the real lesson, and this is what I, my observation about my mom is that she would go in a room, she would meditate for an hour and then she'd come out and then she'd be, she just, she was still disconnected. Mm-hmm. And that I've come to see that like consciousness is becoming consciously aware of yourself in your day-to-day existence. And so I believe, so my training has been like, how can I find that meditation space in my day-to-day existence, no matter what the fuck is happening? Well, so it's, it's, I meditate when I mow the lawn now. <laughs> Jen meditates. the water, time. getting this, getting the wood, doing the day to day. Osho says that, right? Like it's it, the being present. The, same. the meditation is being yeah. in the space of your life, doing things in your life and being present in the moment. And that is ultimate meditation is being present in the moment. And that's what I think that I believe that life's supposed to be fun. I think we've been ripped off completely in this world by a bunch of people that want to manipulate people and la la la. I think that ultimately, when I think of like the world, my life, I think of my life on a micro level, what's the world I want to create? And what I want to create is camp. 
I want to create life camp because my favorite times as a kid was camp. I have little kids. Imagine if every day was camp. I'm like, yes. So like, you know, we joke about when we have our tiny house community, like high ropes, low ropes, archery, horseback riding, archery, you know, like canoeing, swimming, all the fun things, pottery, you know, a welding shop, a carpentry shop, a 3D, all the things that can expand your passions, your creativity, your excitement, and then traveling. And I believe that healing happens when you feel safe. And so, and I know that the happiest I've ever been is when I'm traveling and when I'm meeting new people and I'm experiencing new things and my life is in a monotonous drain where I don't remember the past three years because I'm doing the same damn thing. And so many people for generations have spent their entire lives doing the same thing, hoping one day they're going to get to retirement and then COVID happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, oh, sorry about your luck. You have no retirement savings and you're screwed on all the fronts. And, and it's like, Mm -hmm. I decided at a very young age, like I'm not my, well, my mom died at 55. So -hmm. in my world, you don't make it. My husband's dad died at 18. You don't make it. And so for me, it's like, you got to live now. You got to, and that's what's so ironic is the trauma, the cookie, the cook, you know, the spaces that are left in your body from the moments that are so traumatizing, you can't even look at them and then therefore can't look at the truth. All of these things come from not celebrating the human experience, you know, the human experience, being human, having our opinions and loving the truth and loving each other and loving traveling and, and community. At the end of the day, it's community. It's like, you know, somebody to take your kids so you can go meditate for an hour. So you can go do that dancing for an hour. You can go do the thing that you love to do to fill your cup up so that you can take care of other people. You know, and I believe that the only way the world will change is if each individual treats themselves the way that they want the world to be, you know, and ultimately like, with my app, like, so the, on the, on the second page, there's like communities and like freedom info. So I like censorship info. So I have a whole list of things of like, um, it's so funny. Cause I feel like there's nobody else watching. Cause like, I, I don't know. Really, you're just fine. And so it's they're, like, we're just having a chat. It. So great. For it. Yeah. This is, um, these are always the best lives. Yeah. It's so great. So yeah. So then on the second page, there's like, you know, there's nomad resources that has really empty. Like I need people to help me. And there's um, freedom info, which is like, I have everything from like organizations that are dealing with law to organizations that are dealing with medicine to organizations that are dealing with children, whatever. It's just like, it's, it's, it's a section for that. And then there's communities. So I have right now ecstatic dance, which is like sober dancing. And they have, uh, uh, they have a group here where I live where before COVID you could just go on a Sunday morning. So it was like church and you just went and danced for two hours sober. It was the right. best church I'd ever been to. That's and, cool. uh, then community gardens and then, and then, uh, intentional communities. So what I tell people is like, if you have a vision of owning property and having community where you can have people coming in and helping you build the, the thing you want, mm-hmm. then add yourself to the community without land, accepting new members and that people then can find you in your area and be like, Oh, and then you have your own contact. My app is not designed to like contact each other on it. It's just to have like a yellow pages because I believe that in in millions of people around the world have a vision of having their own land and having fun. And it's like, how do I make that happen? 
And so the app is designed to help people network so that eventually we have all these places that are created out of sovereignty, out of you having a vision in your mind. Like imagine if the shipwreck farm, and you don't have to be there all the time. You could leave. Right. People with MS came to the shipwreck farm because you have the knowledge you have the experience, you have the love, you are, you know, I be the, being the change, right? And they, they, it's like the rainbow warriors or the wounded healers. You know, what I found in nursing school and what I found in the medicine profession is that these people were trying to heal things they had knew nothing about. They'd never been there. They'd never experienced, like I saw somebody get diagnosed with like some like bipolar when like their dad had just died, their girlfriend had just broken up with them and something else horrible. And it was like, they're sad. Mm -hmm. They're depressed. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I remember hearing the thing once that this guy who actually participated in writing the DVM, is that what it's called? The, it's like the the mental health book. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Yes. Or I can't remember what it's called. Anyways, he participated in that. And then his daughter died. And he said, I would say that the majority of the mental health diagnosis are actually grief. Yeah. And I think that, that makes sense. trauma is grief. And it's just grief like. Is a, grief is a strong ass emotion. I like it is. It is. And you feel a lot of times people think that they feel sad or they feel depressed. But the reality of it is, and this is something I came to terms with, too, is, is I was always feeling really like heavy and that's what it was. It was grief. It was grief for losing everything that I thought I knew and losing parts of myself that I carried with me my whole life. Right. I had to let a lot of stuff go in order to be able to move into this, this, you know, more into an alignment of what I'm supposed to be. I had to let, and sometimes that trauma, you know, everybody thinks of trauma being this terrible thing, but sometimes that trauma is there to save you and to protect you. And when you have to let that go, it's one, it's scary. Cause then you're like, ah, but two, it's you, you've had that piece of you for so long that that piece that goes after people, that piece that's like, you know what? Fuck you. Like you want to you want to square up. You want to go. You want to send people to my house to that part that made you feel so powerful, you know, and it comes from trauma. But you have to let that go and, and be more just at whole with yourself. And it's it's scary and it's great. You know, you do. You grieve those parts of yourself. And so that I came to terms with that. But Jen, that was a big thing. Like it just felt so heavy. And I thought it was this, I thought it was just sad, or I thought it was just anxious or upset, but I was grieving that. And, and once you realize that it's grief and you treat it as such, it resolves itself really quickly. And my girl, we are, like I said, we are well over our hour, but this was a really, I want to have you back on. Would you be open to coming back on? I would, I would be honored. I would be honored. I'm going to email you. Um, I'll email you some dates we got in March. We're about full in March, but I know I've got a couple dates left. Uh, so I'm going to email you those dates and we're going to bring you back on because I want to continue this conversation. This was a lot of fun. I'm digging the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, ditto. For sure. Do you want to leave everybody with some final thoughts before we wrap this up tonight? Love you. And uh, my so I believe in my app is Tiny Home App Directory. You can find it at wanderingfootprint.ca. My, um, our foundation is autonomy, sovereignty, and choice. And I believe that love wins. I believe that we rise together, that we, us loving ourselves allows us to love other people unconditionally. And that I, I believe we win in the end. I do. I I think we've already, 
I think we've already won. We just got to make everybody else see it too. <laughs> it's my yeah. firm belief. Well, with that, ma'am, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you guys for being here tonight. I love your faces, obviously. With that, we're going to be live tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. again with the short shit show and breaking the matrix. I have no idea what the topic's going to be. We're just going to roll with whatever, but make sure that you're, you're here and, and you're checking us out and we're just going to go. So thank you for being here. You guys, I love your faces. Keep her moving. Take it easy. Tell your mom. I says, hi, I can't. Do and watch out for deer. Ah, bye guys. <laughs>